Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Be More podcast. I'm Brittany. I'm Maria. And today we have a guest again. Um, his name is Dan. We actually all went to high school together. Yes, we did. Hi, Dan. Welcome. How have you been? I'm been good. Um, we just actually moved down to North Carolina. Yeah, I didn't know that. Brittany told me before we started recording that you're down there. Yes. Um, it's not much warmer down here, though. For some reason, it's only like a few degrees warmer. We brought the cold with us. Oh, really? Uh, that's annoying. So what part of North Carolina are you in right now? So we're like three and a half hours inland, just south of Charlotte. Oh, wow. Okay. You guys are far. Okay. Yeah. Dan and I were going to move to North Carolina after I graduated college. Raleigh, right? Yeah, we were going to move to like the Raleigh-Durham area. So I'm like weirdly familiar with it. We still really like it down there, but one day maybe. I one know day that. maybe it'll happen. Hmm. But it's, still, yeah. like, oh, it's so nice down there. It really is. Yeah, we wanted to move out this way because uh, Michelle's family, actually, my wife, um, actually, mm-hmm. her family moved down here a few years ago. And there's the cost of living, the nature, mm-hmm. everything like that. I mean, we're right, we're like a half hour away from the South Carolina border. Wow. Um, so, and we're only a couple hours from the mountains. So mm. we get to go hiking and all that stuff. And the city's about 40 minutes away. So we get to go to like downtown Charlotte and that whole nine. Yeah, you get a little bit of everything. That's why I liked about it so much. But that's awesome. What are you guys, what are you doing down there? So I started a job at a place called Barker Brothers. Um, they're like a full property maintenance company. Um, started probably right at the end of September because we moved down here in August. And Michelle just passed her surgical tech um, certification because she used to do it, but she had to renew it. Um, and she's waiting to hear back from an eye doctor to do cataract surgery. Wow. Oh, wow. That. Yeah. So, and then we're both going back to school um, in the spring semester, either at UNC or at a community college down here. Oh, that's awesome. Are you guys going to do the same thing for your degree? Are you planning on doing something? No, she, she's staying in surgical tech and I'm going to be a mental health counselor. Well, oh, good for you. Yep. Nice. That's right. Yeah. So we both want to end up working at the VA because the VA centers down here are really, really good. Um, there's a lot more of them. And we've been able to link up with a lot of vets. I was actually only stationed on the other side of the state. So yeah. gotcha, um, gotcha. That's awesome. yeah. So for people who don't for people who mm-hmm. don't really know, well, like most of our listeners, and like Maria doesn't know what happened to you after high school really. So this is like info for Maria too. Tell everyone more about like what happened to you after high school, like what your journey, because you've had a very interesting journey. Yes. Um, okay, where to start? So <laughs> I graduated high school in 2010 and then tried for my parents more so or less, tried to go to school um, for about a half a semester. And me and my our friend um, actually decided to go to the same recruiter and we both joined the army and I ended up going 2011 August I left for basic training Um, I joined to be a cav scout uh, the cavalry more or less and Mm -hmm. basically did reconnaissance we went kind of behind the whole enemy line thing um, found you know the enemy I guess per se um, was trained up in all that and 
it was about 16 weeks down in Georgia. And then I came home for Christmas and then I went back and I went to airborne school. So I got to learn how to jump out of planes for a few weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then um, they told us like, oh, you'll, you won't deploy for another year or so after you get done. And so I graduated at the end of January and by the end of February, I was already deploying. Um, yeah, so it was very, very quick. Um, ended up to de deploying in February, 2012 to Southern Afghanistan on a combat oh, wow. tour. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a big rush. It basically got basic training and all that stuff and a deployment in within a year of uh, my military mm -hmm. career. We came back um, after a very intense deployment, um, to say the least. We can always get into more detail about that. Um, and after meeting these guys for like a week and a half, you know, we had deployed and I hardly knew anyone. And I was one of like two or three new guys. And they had all worked with each other for a couple of years at that point. So we were really just thrown right into it. Um, you know, it was like a 16 hour flight over there. Um, we had to land in Kyrgyzstan, which is just below Russia. And we flew into country and it was an extreme difference right away. Um, it's very, uh, it's kind of weird. We landed in a sandstorm. Um, <laughs> so it was just right off the bat, it was so much different. Um, and within like, you know, a couple of weeks, it was 130 degrees outside and it's all desert. And then it's just, it was a very, very rough environment. Um, and usually when you get into country, you wait like a couple months until you get oriented with the area to go on patrols and do missions and stuff. Three weeks in, we were already going. Um, my units was actually very, were very uh, highly revered with the 82nd uh, Airborne Division. So we got put right into the mix. Um, we usually have more money for training um, for whatever reason. We're kind of the president's first call, if anything, were to go on in the world. Um, we'd get flown in. Um, within 24 hours, we could be anywhere in the world ready to be deployed for like three to six months. And so it was very intense and we were training um, foreign forces over there, the Afghan army, Afghan you know, police and stuff like that. And we went out on patrols all the time. I think we were only on base three days at a time and we'd be gone for a week, um, going in at like helicopters at night and kind of just, you know, getting into our own mess of things, I guess is the nicer way of putting it. Um, got to meet a lot of the locals, um, very interesting people. Um, you have to kind of be rough, uh, to live out there. You gotta, you gotta be willing to survive big time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So we ended up being there until end of, or the beginning of September. Um, uh, so just about nine months we were there, um, and then when we got back, we went from like 130 to 150 degrees to 80 degrees in North Carolina. And it was very strange because you get used to like a dry heat over there. There's nothing 
humid about it. Like, unless you get close to a river, there's nothing humid about it. And um, it was, we were drenched in sweat. The humidity here, like, was completely different than the dry heat. So that was really interesting, um, for sure. And we got to go home on my 21st birthday was my first day of leave. So that was really, really cool. Um, actually, a lawyer, a law student on the train home bought me my first beer. So that was really cool. Um, and then uh, I came home for a few weeks. That's actually where I reconnected with my wife, now wife. She lived in the same neighborhood, uh, was friends with my little sister. Um, we had met back up um, and just started talking again. And then by just around Christmas, um, actually February timeframe, we started dating and eight years later, you know, we're still together. And um, I had stayed in the army until 2015. So it was 2013 when we started dating. I still had another two years in, um, you know, got like 30 or 40 jumps under my belt. I got to jump out of planes, helicopters, you name it. You know, so and I'm a, I'm terrified of heights, absolutely yeah. terrified. You know, and I just went for it. My first time in a plane right after high school, I went skydiving. You know, so it was like a, on Friday the 13th of all days. Um, you know, so just just add it all up, and got most accident prone in high school. So kind of just let's just throw it all in there, and um, yeah, so I did that and got to train almost deployed again. I was going to re-enlist, but it just kind of got to the, it just, it was a lot, um, you know, nine hours from home, everything you've ever known, um, everyone you've ever known. And the big thing that like, I think I try to relate to with a lot of people is that when you meet all these guys and you become friends with them, kind of like how you're in high school, you see these people every single day, you hang out with them a lot of time, especially in a small town like where we're from. And you see these people all day, every day. Um, they come home with you to, for Thanksgiving, um, Christmas. Some guys can't afford to go all the way on the other side of the country. Um, you know, we had, I had friends from Hawaii, Washington State, California, all these places that couldn't go home. So they would come up to New Jersey. I know, I think Brittany has met some of these. So very um, energetic bunch is... A nice way. That's such a good word. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, but every, after meeting these guys and being so close with them, working with them, hanging out with them, spending holidays together, being in these really stressful conditions and all this stuff, every year to six months or even less sometimes, it's you're having a friend that's either getting out of the military, um, getting stationed somewhere else. Um, you know, you name it, they're leaving. And the majority of people that I serve with, I haven't seen in over six years, five, six years, some more. Um, so, you know, it's like when you graduate and you don't see any of the people that you were friends with in high school ever again, you know? So it's like, oh, most of the guys that I deployed with, the only time, which is Another sad thing, because we've had friends pass away, um, you know, since we've been back, quite a few. There's um, been, you know, veteran suicide's kind of a, a big thing over the last 
20 years plus. I mean, you can go back as far as Vietnam if you really wanted to, but it's, um, you know, we lost about 11 guys since 2012, mm-hmm. including deployment, 11 or 12. It might even be more. Um, it's just kind of, it just racks up very quickly, unfortunately. And that's the only time I've seen guys that I deployed with was at the funerals that we could afford to go to. Um, I know I had to go out to Detroit, um, you know, back to North Carolina and so on and so forth. And um, so it was just a lot. And um, this year though, um, you know, I was able to see two of them that I haven't seen in five years. We've had a group chat going um, since 2015, 2014 timeframe. And I got to see two of them one of them was in New Jersey because we had I had mo- lived in North Carolina for a little while after I got stationed there. We moved out um, to Charlotte, actually, where we are right now, um, right after I got out, um, went to school for a little bit and then went back up to New Jersey um, to be with the fam, so on and so forth. And I got to see two of my buddies. One of them was shadowing the president. Um, he's an EOD. Um, he was basically checking the cards for bombs and stuff like that. He had his bomb dog and all that. So I got to see him for a couple of days, which was amazing. The most innocent guy in the world. And here he is three deployments later, just this hard individual. I don't know if you ever met Fregmore, Jeff Fregmore. Yeah, that's his face. He always had a baby face, if I remember correctly. Yeah, now he has this dad bod. Okay like hard face like it's it's a it's a 180 it's it's kind of like it's amazing but um and then actually so we had a friend that he wanted to marry us but he was like an atheist and stuff like that and we're not religious by any means but we had a military ball you know he was drunk and all stuff he's like i'm gonna marry you guys one day he mistaked our um name tags for Mr. and Mrs. Estrada and we had only been dating like a little bit over a year and I was like thanks man you know like so he actually drove from Tennessee um the week of the wedding um and married us five years later after saying that five six years later so yeah so he got officiated and we kept making sure like you're short you're absolutely sure that you're allowed to marry us whole nine we're not going to find out like a couple months from now whatever and um yeah so I got to see him and uh yeah it was um you know we can get into the mental health aspect um later if you want to because that was a two or three year journey because that was like that was an extremely difficult time and I could probably talk for multiple podcasts about it um you know, so it kind of, we just ended up back this way. Um, just a way better environment. Um, New Jersey's a little crazy for us. Um, it's really expensive. You, you guys know. It, it's nodding. For people who yeah. are watching this video later, Maria and I are both nodding. We, <laughs> we're aware of the crazy, that's for sure. <laughs> yes. Um, it's a very um, rough environment. Uh, you kind of have to have thick skin to live up there. Um, you know, and it kind of just get it just wears on you. Um, and then when it comes to, so I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and PTSD back in 2016, 2017. And I had been diagnosed with PTSD when I was in the army and really everyone else had it. So it was like kind of a normal thing to 
be this way when you're in the combat world it's right it's as normal as we can say it is um to feel those that way in a group of people it's kind of just becomes the norm so you don't really realize your symptoms until you're separated um, from the whole thing uh, and away from all the people that you're used to being able to be close with and talk to about all this stuff and feel normalized and um yeah it was just um it was its own ride and being up in new jersey there's a lot of triggers to say the least you kind of have to be on guard all the time when you're out and about and you don't know when someone's going to flip you off kind of thing like down here the biggest thing that i had to get used to and it still happens is people wave at you when you ride into the neighborhood and i'm like all right he's not telling me to go screw myself or he's not flipping me off or you know he's not no. yeah, that's so different from new jersey i would it's, be like why why are you waving at me bro like i would yeah. be like don't talk, don't don't look at me and it's people that I've never met and like yeah. I'm out and about all day at work and people are just like, hey, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> like, I don't know you. And then they'll start conversations with you all, like asking you how you are. And I'm like, I'm good. You're, I guess. You're, like, I didn't... <laughs> you're like, I'm from New Jersey. I don't do this. <laughs> right. And we still have New Jersey plates on our car. So uh, it's like people are a just. A lot of people from when we had gone down to visit. And I don't know if it's throughout the state, but everybody that we met was either from Pennsylvania, New Jersey, or New York. Yeah. So like, our neighbors across the street, Pennsylvania, um, we have one right next door from Northern Virginia. Um, I've met one of the guys I work with is from Connecticut. Two people are from New Jersey. Another one's from New York. I mean, our street coming off of like one of the streets in our neighborhood is Verrazano. I mean, it's like the Verrazano Bridge in New York. Like there's... <laughs> it's amazing and like my and crazy part is my favorite pizza place and favorite bagel shop down here are owned by people from new york and from new jersey there you go that that <laughs> makes sense got the inside scoop on when we were down there is once they started saying people were from jersey and new york that's what we started to find out about but all that that's i feel like so many people who have the same feelings that you had about jersey like all the people that are nice from the tri-state area were like this place isn't very nice let's all go huddle somewhere else <laughs> yeah and that and just the cost of living i mean uh michelle's parents pay like a quarter of what my parents do or a third of it it's like the money you just save and the cost of living um just things in general um yeah. gas i mean it, it, even in that sense it's like it, it's amazing how much um cheaper it is down here like we went from worrying about you know sharing an apartment with some friends like we were um just being able to like kind of have our own thing to we can get a house in a year from now um you know like and that's just the reality of it and i'm getting even paid like way more for doing the same exact job i was doing up there um like, i got a raise under 90 days um you know like just different totally totally different unexpected um so it's it's just a different totally totally different environment and that was my biggest thing when it came to mental health um, was my environment because you can you know work on yourself as much as possible but blocking out how crazy how competitive really how competitive um it is up there to just kind of 
be heard or get ahead or advance. It's there's so many people and so many people that are hungry for whatever it is that some people tend to do whatever it is to get ahead and it's not always the nice way of doing it. Maria, go back to your your three things. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. So Dan, I don't know if you know, but um every I feel like every episode now ever since I started saying it, like this has been um the reason why the world sucks is basically um my my whole like three things. It's uh capitalism, religion, and politics. <laughs> I feel like this in this instance it's capitalism. Yeah. Is what is what is what the issue is here in the tri-state area because you, you pretty much described it like how competitive it is up here and how triggering it can be because everyone's yeah. trying to get ahead um and do like the wrong things basically yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Corporate driven we are a corporate driven state because we're so close to major cities. And that's exactly why like my my fiance Dan, not to confuse everybody, but uh, my fiance Dan has been like working like really hard. He's been in like five years of being in the corporate life and he's built like started to climb his way up the ladder and he's like, I this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Because it, it does. It starts to crush you. It starts to crush your soul. Like yeah. he was starting to see it and he was starting to feel it and he was starting to deal with like all of the mental consequences of it. And that, that was why, I mean, it's, it takes a lot of, of knowing yourself to know. And like, it's kind of hard because we're kind of told that that's what we should want for ourselves. Right. I mean, if you for don't sure. have the awareness to say like, or you don't know, you don't know the any better, right? Like when you're told one thing and then you have to kind of just think that it's the best thing for you. It takes some time to really realize, well, this is not good. Yeah. Um, and it's even harder because I don't know if you guys, if you're, parents had lived in New Jersey before that or if you had grandparents that lived there too so my family's been in New Jersey since they came to this country Um, we had the same house since like 1915 so we've lived in New Jersey our whole lineage of being here you know when we came to this country and it it's the same mentality. My grandfather was eight years old during the great depression, Um, you know, working hard and having that mentality from that generation, working hard saying you're going to get ahead and then put yourself into the, one of the most competitive areas in the country. It doesn't work that way. Right. That was the reality. There was no other option for them. (laughs) No other option. Um, You know, they were kind of on the cusp of you can still go to college for an affordable price and not be, in debt for 20, 30 years, um, you know, and they kind of, it's really strange because trying to relate to those kind of generations, even my parents' generations, I mean, they're in their late 50s, 60s, and it's totally different, um, totally different um, idea of what it is. Like that anxiety of not being able to make it because I'm not working hundreds of hours in a week um you know i don't have a degree or i'm not where i want to be in life it's it gets more and more compressed because it's like well these people made it by the time they were 30 they had the job they wanted they had this that whatever it was and you know it was like seeing that in other people and seeing that in i guess that aspect in that generation it was just it's very difficult and it, it was a little strange because even at that, like my family has served in the military since we've been in every war since World War II. So I've seen that side 
Um, and it's very different. Like, it's not like we ever had any money. Um, you know, that kind of, it's not why you kind of served, I guess, in a sense. But my reality of that is I get paid to go to school. You know, they took money out while I was in, paid for me to be able to go to school. Um, and, you know, I get like a housing allowance while I'm going. So, like, if I didn't want to work, essentially, I didn't have to. But it took four years of being in what I was describing to you guys as a means to do it. Um, you know, so like that in itself is just very different. That's why I went, I have four other siblings, you know, so like, it's not like my parents could have afforded to without going broke to send me to college, um, which I wasn't going to do, especially when I realized I didn't want to be in school at first, um, especially. It's, that's the one reason that I went, well, one of the reasons I went into the army is because like all my other siblings were still around. Um, they were still kind of financially struggling and stuff like that. And I was just like, I'm not going to put this on anyone. I'm going to kind of go hold it down on my own. Um, and a lot of people make that decision when you don't have other opportunities. I know that was the same with a lot of my family. They didn't have the opportunities, you know, war was going on kind of just, take you away from home, kind of take you out of the environment. Yeah. There were so many, I remember when you, I remember fighting with you when <laughs> you originally, <laughs> so Dan and I were, Dan and I, we went through like, well, for me, it was one of the first, like LFD was one of the first like major things that ever happened in my life. Can I, can I, can I interrupt? I want to interrupt and it's a good interruption. So LFD, my, um, Dan, my little sister, my youngest sister is a uh, junior now. She wants to head up LFD now because it's got, it's got, it's turned into a wrong direction apparently where it's like not, not as diverse as they would like it to be like the, the, uh, you know, lead for diversity, right? LFD. Yeah. Um, it's not really diverse and they don't really do anything towards diversity and my sister's like yeah I'm gonna fucking do it I was like good for you so this is this is very good sorry I just oh, wanted to let awesome. you guys know an update on the on the, the club she should, she should zoom with us okay so how do I, how do I start this well, I gotta go backwards to go forward sorry um, that was it was a good interruption though so we all went to a very very small high school and Dan was a year ahead of yeah. Maria and I but we never had any other like we never had classes together we didn't like we like never would have crossed paths if it wasn't for LFD in all reality. And this program had really, honestly, it was like a national program that had started and, and you probably know more history about it than I do, Dan, but um, we had been selected with a couple of other people from our grades, our grades um, to go to this <laughs> sleep away camp. <laughs> was, I also don't remember. Where is it? Is it in New York? It's in Pennsylvania. I couldn't even remember where. So we all got on this bus. Oh my goodness. And we're told <laughs> that we were going for, I think we were literally only there for a weekend. It was only 48 hours, I feel like, even though it felt like. I want to know who was on this, on this trip. Oh. Two of us, Baby. <laughs> oh, okay. Rachel. Okay. Was it okay. four of us? Oh, and Brooke. Okay, there we go. Oh, Brooke. <laughs> and okay. We were all put on this bus, and I'll never forget, they took our phones like the second we got <laughs> back in the day too so like we didn't have good phones and we probably didn't have any cell reception either but that was my first cell phone <laughs> yeah, we were like all devastated and we it was just and i'll never forget when i close my eyes i still see the image of looking out the window at all of the adults who were like yelling and singing and cheering when we showed up uh, yeah all excited you'll see that no my eyes when i close my eyes um 
but we spent like 48 to 72 hours. I think it was three or four days. It was like a weekend um, in this camp. That was when I learned what a yurt was. And with people. <laughs> Did you say a yurt? <laughs> yeah, a yurt. I have no idea Same. what it was. Same. Um, and with all these kids who went through the exact same experience we did, they were all told like, hey, you get to go on this trip. And they were all like super excited and then got thrown on a bus with a bunch of strangers that had no idea what was happening. Um, <laughs> it was the most eye-opening and enlightening and full of like just basic human love experience that that was like the very first time I ever, ever experienced anything like that. I can't even like super speak to like what we did while we were there because I feel like so much stuff happened that we weren't even like mentally capable of realizing what was happening as we were going through it but like just true honest like humanity and like crying and realizing things and talking about all the stuff like Maria we talk about all all on this podcast all the time we talk about all the stuff that you're told not to talk about in a public setting (laughs) that was what that weekend was really Mm mm-hmm that must have been so enlightening for high school kids, honestly. Yeah, it was it was amazing. And <laughs> because of that, every all of us who went together like came back with a bond that like we could no one else was gonna be able to it's very much what like it's that situational connection that mm-hmm. you had kind of brought up, Dan, that like you really experienced <clears throat> in a really like intense situation with being in the army. But it's true, like the people you're around who experience the things that you experience, you connect with them because of that. And right. that was like what started our friendship. And like Dan yeah. was like and I feel like from from what I remember and maybe you feel a different way I feel like we became each other's person that we could talk to about things that we didn't really talk to a lot of other people about and like Maria you were always like that with me too like mm-hmm. so like whatever I didn't tell you I probably told Dan <laughs> <laughs> but like Fair that first. was okay. the friendship that we were able to start because of it and yeah. with that being said the person that I was when he wanted to go into the army I lost my mind mm. okay I can see that Bernie I can see that with the person that you were before. But from the whole point of me bringing all this up is the only thing that shut me up was me remembering you saying, like, I want to do this for, it wasn't like this invincibility cause. It wasn't like this heroic cause. It was like, I'm doing this to protect the people that I love. Like, that was, like, I can still hear you saying that in my head. And I always was just like, being the person that he is, like, he has a humongous heart. So being the person that he is, I was like, well, I'm not going to stop it. Like, I'm not going to be able to stop it. I'm just going to stop fighting with him about it and try to be as supportive as possible. But I'll never forget him saying that. And that so much leads to what, so I want you to talk about what you're doing now with like Good Morning Feels and like leading into what you're still doing. Because I know you, you want to, impact is like your thing. Like you have, you are here because I know that you want to make an impact. And I know that like the like cause for doing things for veterans is super important to you, but just like helping helping the all of humanity who deal with anything mentally. So tell us about Good Morning Feels and 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 all of the stuff that you're doing outside of like working. So to kind of touch back on um, the LFD and everything like that, um, it that experience was probably one of the most intense experiences and eye opening things. Um, I've ever experienced, um, even still to this day, Um, you know, and we were, you know, that was, oh my God, I'm going to. I think it was 14. No, that sounds too young. 15, 16, I don't know. 16, something like that. Yeah, because it was like 12 years ago. Oh, Oh, guys. (laughs) I think I was a sophomore and you were a junior. Mm -hmm. Right? So then 16, 15, 16, 17, whatever. 
that range so young well 12, 12 years ago you really had to say that dan didn't I know, you i know, I know. <laughs> um anyway that experience actually kind of prompted me to be very open when i was in the army um you know meeting all these people from all these different backgrounds and from all different countries because we trained international forces from Mexico, from Germany, um, you know, all these different forces, when they would come to our base, we would train them. So there was always this culture gap. And I noticed that there wasn't, there was people from other states that really, um, they weren't used to being around other cultures and being from the tri-state area in itself too, kind of opens you up to that. There's a lot, I mean, I've never met the same kind of person um, up in that area. Like it's, mm -hmm. you're kind of your own thing. Um, and that kind of prepared me for um, the military and stuff like that when it came to all these different cultures. Cause I had really never left anything south of Virginia and nothing north of uh, New York at that time. And I met people from every single state. Uh, there's not a state that I don't know someone from. Um, you know, and that's actually why, um, what kind of rolls into why I like the veteran community and working with the veteran community, because it's people from so many different backgrounds, but, you know, outside of being a human with emotions and all these things, there's this unique experience that we all share collectively and that we're able to hone in on um, from all these different backgrounds, um, you know, like I, 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 my roommate was from Jamaica and he was serves in the army to get a citizenship. Wow. So, you know, and that in itself was like an amazing um, experience. And, um, you know, like, that's why I like working with the vet community um, because we can not only are those gaps um, like that get lost in translation from culture to culture, um, trying to like have an underlying unity when culture kind of can take over um, someone's, I guess, whole identity, mm -hmm. um, it's kind of stripped away. And you're able to still hold on to that stuff, but be in a position to where it's like, well, I know this person, I can relate this to them, they're going to hear me out. And I'm not going to have this, I guess, shield up of something that they're not going to understand. And then I'm going to be so proud of that. I already am going into it that they don't understand it. Experience together that above all else, nothing else matters, you know, like such a, a foundational experience that because of the levels of like traumatic, like that's a word that just should be, we don't associate those two things enough, I feel like, but because of the level of trauma you experience, like that, that holds the highest point to any possible differences you could, you could have. Right. Set you apart. Right. And even in that too, like how we were talking about earlier with um, age difference and how we kind of see things that way, there's this underlying understanding between generations of veterans that we all understand. Mm -hmm. So being able to connect with people that are older and even people that are going into the military now, I mean, what is a 45 year old that served, you know, back in his, when he was 18, relate to someone who's 18 now. Well, there is those traditions that get carried through. There are those things that, you know, well, the military can really suck, you know? So <laughs> it, it's like the embrace the suck mentality, um, kind of just what I carry through life is embrace the suck. 
And it's, you know, something that I've been able to connect with people that were served in Vietnam, people that are going into, you know, the military now. Um, some Something that really helped me when I moved here, um, Michelle's mom, my wife's mom, she cuts hair. She's, you know, professional stylist, has her own salon, uh, does her own thing. She cuts this Vietnam vet's hair and, and his wife's. And, you know, like, he was really into bad stuff. You know, he was, he got Agent Orange. Um, you know, he just survived prostate cancer because of it um, and all this stuff. And I met him, um, one of the nicest people I still have met to this day. And he actually took me to the VA himself and brought me in, walked me around the hospital, all that stuff, showed me where everything was, gave me phone numbers, lists of people that he's talked to, um, all of these different, all this different information. And he served in Vietnam, you know, back in like the early 70s, late 60s. And I was able to have full conversations with him, still meet up with him now. And, you know, we're so far in age, but we're still able to connect um, and kind of work together on things and get all this information and kind of work all together in that aspect. So what I do getting to Good Morning Feels now, um, one of the things that I even told him about was that, so one of the hardest times of the day for me mentally is in the morning as it is with a lot of other people. Um, something, yeah, <laughs> you know, like coffee, let's go kind of thing, um, trying to wake up, um, and, uh, you know, but really, you know, outside of that, like, sometimes I just don't sleep, uh, it can be up for a really long time, um, oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> can I just also confess one thing, I did not sleep last night, I actually cool. fell asleep, it's not even night, at 8 a.m., <laughs> wow. so, I can relate to that, Dan. <laughs> yes. So, and like, yeah, I've definitely had those nights. Um, definitely. And I wake up for five, at 5.30 for work uh, in the morning. So like, sometimes I won't fall asleep till 2, 2.30. And then I have a 12-hour day ahead of me. Um, and then I still have to eat dinner when I get home and, you know, take like a, an hour for myself or something like that. And like be a person still outside of being like a workhorse. Right. And, you know, when you're in a relationship too, you have to put time into that to spend with someone. And, you know, you don't want to be falling asleep in, in every movie that we're watching, you know, and like whatever it is. Um, so you still have to put a lot of effort in to the rest of your day. And it can turn really quickly into a 16, 18 hour day and then do it again four or five, six days in a row. And, but something that happens with like PTSD and stuff like that, um, and even bipolar disorder, you get like racing thoughts, um, you know, suicidal ideations, meaning like you're not, you don't want to harm yourself, but you're still having these feelings of not wanting to be here. And I talked about those not too long ago because I definitely get them also. Yeah, I get them. I get them. I have seasonal depression around this time of year. Um, and that's how, and this is why I like 8 a.m., like I go to sleep, whatever. Um, I don't want to say it's similar, but it's very similar symptoms, I guess. But suicidal ideation is, is a constant thing, yeah. I think I've, I've, I've told Brittany about uh, like an article that I read like years ago or a couple of years ago. 
that explained it really well because I could never pinpoint what that thought is you know like it kind of just comes and like sometimes I'm like you know I'm driving I'm like you know I could just could just swerve right now like you know it's just but I won't because like I like love life enough but like also right. well, the, the, the thought I, I is there in a really good way right it's yeah. the idea of it's the idea of having the peace of not having to deal with anything anymore mm-hmm. Like right. it's the it's that sense of like if I do this then I don't have to worry like I won't be here and it'll all yeah. be over you know right. like that's it's the it's it's different than the actually thinking about the process of doing it it's more of like the consequence or like the the product of the action that is what is like idea like mm-hmm. idealized. idealized yeah right so like and it's really so waking up sometimes when you're exhausted is already just in itself is being exhausted is, is exhausting, um, you know, all the time. And like, sometimes I'll just have terrible dreams. Sometimes it's not even things that have happened. It's just stuff that situations my mind creates to make me more like into a panic. It's worse than reality sometimes, which is not bad. Right, right, catastrophizing, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, a situation and stuff like that. So like, sometimes I'll wake up at 5.30 in the morning with suicidal ideations. I didn't sleep well. Um, I know the day is going to be stressful. So I'm already, you know, going into it with that kind of mindset. And like, that is the hardest time of the morning for me. Sometimes like in the past, like before I was able to go and get help and go to therapy and be on medication and stuff like that, I would literally not go to work. Um, I wouldn't go to school. I, w- I would be lucky if I showered that day, um, you know, when mm-hmm. I, before I had gotten help and Mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff like leave bed was an accomplishment um in itself or eat something and um you know so I started this page um because every morning um I try to do an affirmation for myself like kind of set a tone for the day like usually I'll scroll through all these quotes that I've saved and I'm just like what's sticking out to me today what what's really you know being mindful of things that have been going on in my life that could be triggering me to feel this way or feel worse or to go into this spiral and kind of try to set that tone for the day. Um, you know, something that I can look at and physically look at my actual page, you know, good morning feels and just be like, this is how I said I wanted to be today. Did I reach that? You know, am I, is that where my mindset's at? Cause it's something to focus in on when your mind's in a million different places and you're in your day you could take a second to read what you wrote and to kind of mm-hmm. practice what you preach live those words um you can, and i've been writing a lot more of my own stuff even in my notes um if i don't post something i have things in my notes that kind of i'll look back on um you know and just have something there to hone in on uh, mm-hmm. for the morning and i share that with people i try to be very real and upfront about that kind of stuff because it's you know, I'm not just talking to my veteran friends, um, you know, just because I'm a vet doesn't, and just because I had these very difficult experiences doesn't mean that other people can't relate to it. PTSD, depression, anxiety is still PTSD, anxiety, and depression. Trauma is trauma in different, in different wrapping, essentially. Right. You know, and there's nothing fair and nor is there a point in comparing those traumas either. You know, just because I went through combat doesn't mean that your car accident was better or worse. It's still, there's still an end product of tra- being traumatized and going through all these things. And, 
that's actually a thing that I had an issue with uh, going through therapy because I went to Princeton Medical Center um, in behavioral health um, and I did what's called men's trauma. So it was actually just guys um, in trauma related therapy. We were in group therapy and because there was that stigma of not being able to be fully vulnerable with women in the, in the same period, it was a very interesting concept because it wasn't, it was like people from 18 to, there was a guy that was in his sixties in my group and it was being able to be more open and more vulnerable without kind of like not being exposed to what we would see as a stigma behind men's health, not being able to be open and stuff like that and I got to a point where like these guys weren't talking about you know weren't being vulnerable because they thought what I went through was so much worse and they would even say this was like but I have nothing to complain about you know like being genuine um, and kind of invalidating themselves um, when I would talk about my experiences Um, you know so it was just like I had to tell them it was just like what I went through and how I was able to deal with it and cope with it and, you know, get through it. It's not going to be the same journey for you. It's not going to, it's going to affect us differently. Our upbringing, what we, I mean, down to what we eat is going to affect how we respond to things. And it's a hard, that was something that I struggled with in the beginning a lot is like, I didn't even, I never even gave my chance to really realize that I had suffered any type of trauma in my life because I always used to, I, I also used to always grow up hearing, or I guess what really always stuck in my mind the most was like, be grateful for what you have, be grateful for what you have. So I always, and I, I also, especially in the, our teenage years, I was very, very good at getting very, very close to people who I wanted to help. So like, I would always say like, <laughs> yeah. look at this person. I don't have a reason to say anything. Look at this person. I don't have a reason to say anything. So I, I spend so much time distract. I still do that. Let's be totally Yeah. Honest. Let's be real here. I think, yeah. Maria's like rolling her eyes at me. Um, <laughs> I still like deflect the fact that I need to help myself by trying to help other people and like helping them with their stuff. But through like what you were saying through doing that, we tend to invalidate our own experiences because we say, you know, I should be this, I should be that, I should be this, but it's, it's that very, very complicated tightrope walk to keep the balance of saying, you know, like, these are the things that I can be grateful that I have in my life, but like, this is the stuff that sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, this Mm -hmm. is the stuff that it's okay to suck. And I have to be able to look at all of that in a 360 to have appreciation, appreciation for the good stuff, but be able to really look at the sucky stuff for what it is and then actually be able to deal with it. And you're right. Like we can't, we can't compare our baggage to each other's baggage like it just doesn't work that way but what we can do is empathize with one another about having because like the we all release the same chemicals in our brains right like we all feel the same emotions so like we can we can empathize and sympathize and relate and connect based on those things that we're feeling it doesn't matter the what causes it or like the why it causes it is causes it is the fact that we we get that and same end result mm-hmm. and that's what makes us human so like we have the ability to connect on it but like our own sense of ego that's really good at getting in the way of that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right and you look at like so and it can be anything from age to your culture and stuff like that there's that you want that support system your family especially like that was my hardest thing um was like so like i i know that you know um but i don't think maria knows um i lost a sister 
when uh, my family lost a sister. It's, I mean, it's something that we've kind of just had to deal with as a family. Um, I was really young. She was very young. And, um, you know, my household was PTSD. I grew up in that um, with a bunch of people that didn't really handle it. Um, they kind of just put it to the side. Um, yeah, this sucks, but we don't have time. We have four other kids, you know? So like, we, we kind of have to go into it and like everything that I had gone through afterwards from, you know, abuse from another family member to going through an episode that I didn't realize I was having an episode because I didn't know what was going on. And then joining the army and going through all that stuff. I didn't recognize any of that either. I thought it was normal to feel like crap about myself in a sense and to like you know constantly look at my problems well someone has it worse someone has it worse there's always going to be someone in the world that has it worse um you know or and it's not even fair to say it that way it's you know we're all in different circumstances and some people that come from really bad places ended up making it really far and having these kind of against the odd mentality i had a psychology professor um and i had done um asl um american sign language course the semester before this and i had a psychology teacher who was completely deaf never heard a single word in his life he was a professor at rockers actually for uh, 30 years and um he was teaching a class at middlesex i took a night class um, on the middlesex campus in new brunswick so and um he was just this such upbeat guy. Um, his biggest thing about psychology was motivation. Um, he had actually learned how to talk by holding, his mother had taught him to hold on to, you know, someone's throat and hear the vibrations, yeah. put a piece of paper in front of his face to pronunciate and all this stuff. And he even sang a Billy Joel song, oh. uh, but he had never heard a single word in his life. He didn't even know sign language. I knew more sign language than he did. Uh, you know, so like he was just, he had this mentality and he even was saying, he's like, you ha you're kind of forced to face these odds. You're, and even if it's not something that is sudden that comes into your life, you have these odds um, against you in a sense. And having, and I felt like this for a long time. I was like, man, I wish my life was shittier so that I can, you know, make it further, you know, and that I had something to push me when my life was kind of shitty, you know, when looking back at it and stuff like that at the time. Um, you know, so like having those odds sometimes is in your favor. Yeah, it just it's just a matter of what you, that's why your mindset is so important. You get to, there's a lot of shit in life you don't get to decide. Right. right. But you do get to decide how you're going to face the shit. <laughs> right? yeah. Like you get to decide if this is going to overwhelm you or if you're going to climb and rise above it. Right. And that's like, that's why I love what you do with Good Morning Feels. And I love that it's a lot of your own personal experience with it, because if you wake up in a bad mood, like you already lost that game. You right. I mean? And if you or didn't if you go to sleep, you're screwed. You woke up with and you bring it into the day and you've lost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So being able to, and I, I, you have a slightly different way that you like go through all of it, but I had to figure out what my like morning routine was going to be 
because I have those days too. Like we don't, I mean, we don't live in a society that is very forgiving and like telling us, yeah, you should be so excited about waking up every day. You know what I mean? Like we mm-hmm, get a lot mm-hmm. more shit thrown at us than flowers and like than anything else. Yep. So it's like, you have to find the gold in that shit stack. <laughs> I'm making a lot of shit analogies that I got. Um, but yeah, we're not necessarily taught how to do it. So I love that. And that's, I think, a common theme that we talk about on this show, too, is like we're not taught the skills of what it really means to live the life you want to live or live a happier, fulfilled life. And we have to figure or even out how to how out. to deal with um, bad days. Yeah. Even or like even what how to acknowledge or say it's OK that. Yeah, because like what Dan said before, like some days just just um, getting out of bed is an accomplishment, right? Like, yeah, um, I had one of those days yesterday. I was in bed till 2.30 in the afternoon. And like, that's extremely late. Like, even though I sleep, like, at my regular sleep pattern is, like, 3 to 9. So, like, imagine, like, 2.30. Like, and, like, I told myself, I was, like, by the time I got up, I was, like, that's fine. Like, look at me getting out of bed. Like, and, like, I think we should, as a society, even in, especially in the tri-state area, like, that's fine. Because the way that we move and, like, how capitalism, like, trains us as machines is is absolutely like it takes a toll and that's why dan like it, it's good that you found that that is a trigger and that you moved down to north carolina because like if you if you stayed up here with with your wife like, i'm sure that this would have been 10 times worse for your mental health yeah that i mean it that's one of the big things that like we we're, what we're talking about is like we're not taught that um and when you come from so many different backgrounds, when you don't come from an area where you have a lot of different people, you don't bother to even think about that kind of stuff because everyone's the same. This is what it's like. This is how it is. Where it's like, you meet so many people from our area and it's like, all right, this isn't what, this this isn't a set way of doing things. And like, one of the bigger things that I am trying to do later on um, is, we want to create like a community as far as, I guess, I guess it's more of a transition program because like mm-hmm. we, with veterans and with people going into the, just their next stage of life, whether it's moving, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, getting out of college and going or high school and going to this real world um, and everything like that, we want to create um, kind of an environment. It doesn't have to be temporary, um, but more of like, we kind of want to give that security of building like a tiny home, not tiny, tiny, but like we were looking at like cargo homes, like, yeah, you know, used to, we're telling me about this original idea. Yeah. So like, I think that's one of the bigger things with being able to kind of focus in on these skills is have this environment um, that we're talking about. And like, basically we want to have this community. We want to start it off with vets um, kind of, like these are affordable, um, you know, we can build these, they're not gonna be expensive. We have the land, you know, they can rent these out, they can come to our community for a period of time, recalibrate and kind of go back out into the world, learn these skills, like cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy. Those are things that I use um, personally um, on a regular basis um, to, and then I learned in therapy to kind of work through all of that stuff. And I think it should be taught in schools to begin with um, yeah. in high school because there's a lot of other stuff that we need, like econ and like all of like, we should learn about that way later. Like, uh, we don't need yeah. any of that stuff at the start. You need to learn how to be a human first. Right. But it's like you're, it's like you're saying the, the ability to 
it is the hardest transition is realizing we always used to say like you we have a family you choose there's a family you're born into and there's a family you choose and like the bigger part of that is like you people having to separate themselves and a lot of people you know like the town that we lived in is very much rooted in like ans like ancestral like traditional like the yeah. older ways of thinking that was just the reality of it <laughs> and if people don't have the awareness to notice that they have to even just look at that differently let alone not maybe not even change anything but actually look at it and actually assess it as to whether it is good or bad for them let alone the rest of the world around them they it becomes a really comp just having to do that having to do that personally like was something that shook all of my roots because I started to realize, you know, I have to be different. I'm not okay with what this, like these certain things about where I came from and like my lineage and that stuff. So I have to change it. And it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. And I think the, like the, the thought of the community that you're trying to develop gives people the chance to realize they can do it in a safer space because trying to live your life and sort your shit out. And then also going through all of that is like, bombs in your face you know what I mean like it's just constant like talk about triggers like it's constant triggers and like while you're dealing with it to be constantly triggered and not know how to handle it is extremely overwhelming and I honestly it was so funny because I like everybody in life like I knew I've known Dan in phases of life right like we were super close in high school and then like he started going into the army and I had a really hard time with him going into the army so like I had to pull myself away and like then like it was so interesting because you were always the hat. Like as much as I loved when you came came home and I got to see you, you were always the happiest when you weren't home. Like yeah. it hit the fan every time that you came home. So I would be like, oh, like in the back of my mind, I'd be like, okay, maybe he just needs, but how do you say that? So like, I just kind of like, well, you have to just let it happen. But it was realizations that you needed to go through. You know what I mean? Like things like we talked about this last week in our episode with Jada. Like it's not until you, you don't step away you don't realize where you came from. Mm -hmm. So it's sure. not until you move past where you, what you're like dealing with in the moment where you can actually look back and start to make those assessments. But I'm very happy that you did what you did and that you moved. <laughs> not that my opinion matters at all, but I, I just know that you're happier. And I think that that, it gives you the chance to, to really take care of yourself and be yourself and do what you want to do and not have to worry about all the stupid shit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, you're spot on though like the happiest I ever was when I wasn't home um as crappy as that was because I was still close with so many people um you know but as I spent more time outside of there I realized a lot of things like I met even like I had true friends back home and then I met these true friends outside of that environment and I just noticed all of these people that were just white noise um, you know, people that were more acquaintances than anything, people that were using me for this or wanting to use me for that and all of these different things and that, you know, even being a veteran and having the hype and spotlight on you, all those people disappear when it's gone, you know, when the hard shit hits, when the real stuff starts to happen, when you need, you need to be vulnerable, there's people that aren't going to be able to be there for you to do that and that are going to make you feel bad for it, like, having suicidal thoughts and stuff like that the last thing you want to do is blame someone for having those and I saw a lot of that um oh that's the last thing you ever want to hear when you're going right. through all that blame and shame and guilt are all not like those are that's how people end up where they end up and having to deal with stuff right like, right those are the god damn it those are the <laughs> emotions that end up 
and and those are like those are the relatable emotions right regardless of what situation like what variable situation you were in to make you feel those emotions those emotions are pretty much the maria so that's our next our next t-shirt is gonna say shame guilt i don't remember what else i said Um, (laughs) okay shame guilt and blame are gonna be the next three things why we stagger into dealing with emotional health um but it's the last thing you need right and you know like people want to acknowledge like if you could say that depression is an illness and then in the same sentence or in the in the same instance blame someone for you know having these suicidal thoughts it's like what did you think the end result of this illness was um you know like where do you think that goes to it doesn't just like it's just not like depression like you know that's it there's like like get over it it's the same thing that i say with um with injuries right like it doesn't happen overnight Right. Most injuries are caused by something else and something else and the constant buildup of what's going on inside your body. Same thing with illness. Like, and that's mm-hmm. why mental health, we talk about mental health and we talk about illness. Like it doesn't all of a sudden trigger, like, or unless, I mean, unless it's a serious situation, but, um, like it's something that's built up and built up and built up. And most of the time it's the fact that like we're, it's building up and we're not dealing with it. And that's when things start to really develop. Right. That's actually, I honestly think that's one of the reasons why I'm doing the transition program is like, it's that buffer um, between, you know, when they're getting out and going from this environment, like I was talking to you about when it comes to being around other people that have PTSD and not really knowing the difference of what regular life is and what this is, and then going into this totally different environment where it's not really like that. you know, it's, it's almost like shocking. Um, like I felt totally and completely isolated from everyone else all the time. Cause I couldn't relate, um, whatsoever, um, in that regard and being in, um, an environment and going from an environment where you're completely understood to one where you have to constantly explain yourself is just like, it's the most overwhelming, you know, thing, um, that I ever had to go through. I mean, it took a couple of years of me just, I didn't work for over a year. Um, you know, I kind of just like would be home for weeks at a time. I didn't do anything like, and I had friends passing away and I was going through all of these episodes and stuff like that. And like not being able to transition into the next part of it all. Um, it was very, very, very difficult. And especially when you're, you don't validate those things. Um, you don't have anything to kind of work at, you know, like it's just. Maria and I relate to, because both of us have experienced like depression before. We relate it to the sunken place from Get Out. You ever seen that movie? I don't know. You ever seen Get Out? It's a recent movie. I don't know. It was a couple years ago. It's like, it's this very like trippy concept of like this person gets hypnotized and like falls into like the depths of his mind where like he sees everything that's happening, but they can't interact and has like no engagement and can't do anything about it so like when maria and i talk about depression that's like that's the like it feels like the sunken place in that movie like you're watching your life happen and you're like screaming and fighting from the inside but like you feel like you can't do anything about it and like not yeah. having action to take like not knowing exactly what to do next is exactly how you fall into that because you feel like you can't overcome it right right yeah and like that in itself and then you have people that don't recognize those things about themselves and don't realize that they're feeling the same exact way um and are for, for the people not um 
watching our YouTube and just li- listening to this podcast on Spotify, we're vigorously nodding our heads, me and Brittany, while yes, Dan's explaining this. There's a lot of nodding in this episode. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. Like, it, it's just, you know, you're around a lot of people that aren't willing to accept their own truth. So trying to find yours is a constant struggle when it's just like, oh man, just, you know, let's get, let's smoke, you know, let's smoke a blunt, let's go get a drink, you know, just forget about it. Um, You know, we'll go out, we'll do something, take your mind off of it. And it just becomes all of that. And, you know, when you're altering your perception of things, that's when I notice exactly what you're talking about. It's like, I'm watching my life as a revolving door of the same exact thing and I'm not able to do anything about it. And then I'm making myself sadder by avoiding these things. And it's just like seeing it and then almost seeing yourself in other people doing the same exact things and you pass judgment on them for not wanting to deal those things, deal with those things. But unless you're being mindful of that, just keep doing that. You keep projecting those things. It's like, look at this guy, you know, like wasting his life. It's like, but it's a deflection of, well, I'm kind of wasting my life too. It's, these are the, and that's why Maria talks about her three things all the time, because those are the three things that push that shame, guilt, and blame onto us, right? And then it goes back to the fact that we're not taught the skills to how to even see it or even know what's going on. And, and it, it is, it is a habit. It is a habit, but and I've talked about this too. Like, it's a habit that you need to build so strong that it's just like an instinct almost. But mm-hmm. it takes a really long time to build the habit, and not only not only do you have to build the habit to actually deal I'll with keep it, it, you have yeah. to first learn ever first you have to first unlearn all this shit. You have to first realize it's happening, which is hard <laughs> as hell. Then you have to unlearn all the shit that you were doing before. There were terrible habits that were making it worse on you, and then you have to learn the other shit, and then you got to keep it going for the rest of your life. Right. It's not it takes it's it's like you know the commitment to a full-time job it's like the commitment to a relationship the things that you brought up earlier but it's the real commitment to yourself like that's the the commitment to yourself and the self-care that's what we're talking about with it it's not the let me go and not to say this isn't a, like not to put this down or say this isn't like a good thing but like self-care isn't just about caring for your body and your outsides and the aesthetics i was that's what i was gonna say <laughs> a lot more than that and like if you don't feel good on the inside, you could self-care the hell out of your outside and you're still not going to feel that great a couple of days later. And like, that's why people, like you brought up, that's why people get addicted, like addictions to things. And that's why they develop addictive personalities, right? You get so addicted to being able to escape, being able to like, or like, this makes me feel good for 10 seconds, but all the root of the shit is killing that feel good feeling. So now I have to keep going back and going back and going back. And it's like, that's the stuff that we don't, we talk about that the top of the flower like we have to talk about the roots more and more and more and more so right. i love that everything that you're doing i'm so happy that you're happy oh i appreciate I'm that i'm so happy that you're happy um i will say um i heard a quote the other month uh, you can't heal where your trauma is so i'm i'm glad dan and i don't obviously i wasn't you know friends with you during that whole time span but i'm glad that you recognize that new jersey isn't again it was the place of your trauma even when you when Brittany said that you would come home from being deployed like that you you were sadder at home right. like that kind of sucks especially if you're you're very close to your family um because you don't want to 
you don't want that to happen right because like it's in in the back of your mind you still want to stay because of your family and like your your friends or whatever but even so like you kind of have to do what you got to do and move out even even if that does suck so I'm, I'm glad that you did get out thank you I appreciate it that yeah. honestly like that was the hardest part of it all because you like especially with the position I was in I came back you know from deployment something no one ever experienced I had medals and all these stories and all this kind of stuff and it was the top of the flower like what we're you know talking mm-hmm. about and like I started to realize really quick like that image and what I was trying to put up and all this kind of stuff it was for the attention um and all of these things and it was just like I don't know I started to realize like what I was saying before like all of these people really weren't there for me um they were there for that top back to like all of our conversations that we used to have about this um mm-hmm. it's hard realizations to have it's really hard realization and like we all go through our own versions of these but it's like really hard to realize that people like you for who they think you are or who they want you to be and like the expectations and not who you really are and like yeah. when they find out what who you really are they're just like but can you go back to the person that I want you to be like that's just so selfish it's just so selfish and so demeaning to your like as a person like going through shit like it's just like why what is your purpose then for me if if, that's the thing I the thing that used to piss me off about it was because it would going back to that invalidation thing I'm seeing this the way that I saw this as being like your friend through this time was like it used to over all of the like that the the pretty flower let's keep using this analogy because i'm all for analogies and imagery <laughs> but like the pretty flower would end up getting stomped on and wouldn't mm-hmm. even matter anymore and then like then you would start losing sight of like all of the things that you did achieve right mm-hmm. so over like there were so many fi- and like oh the like and that was when i was you know me maria well both of you know this that i was never a person to back down from yelling at anybody from a fight yeah no back in the day yeah yeah (laughs) um throwing hands things that get so so frustrating but it's like i super had to you have to get to a point where it's like you have to get to a point where it's not have you go through those things but it was like i wasn't gonna be able to do anything for you you know what i mean and that was what used to kill me that's why i always wanted you to just tell me everything just tell me and tell me and tell me but that's also that's also the thing that you should stray away from like people don't owe you anything too that's also (laughs) damn oh i call her out all the time she calls me all the time this is a very space we do this on like this whole this whole podcast is just talking about this stuff and like we still have to call each other out for the shit that we still do that we know is the bad we know each other's bad stuff that we're not supposed to be doing so yeah and like outright on this podcast and like we talk about this all the time like we both went to therapy too so it's like our also our experiences from that from the lessons that we learned in therapy so it's like whatever whatever tidbits that we can help each other we kind of call each other out every week on them so oh yeah yeah but mm-hmm. we're yay all these things tell everybody how they can connect with you and and all the good stuff to look out for that you're doing okay um so you can find me at good morning feels on instagram or just daniel estrada um very mm-hmm. simple very straightforward um you know um something to look out for which i'm going to start doing regularly and what i'm trying to do to make it a little bit more personal is to do videos um, short clips, kind of just my affirmation for the day, um, you know, in the morning trying to get 
myself to see myself saying it um and not just mm -hmm. saying it um maybe more of a personal connection because like i can pick a quote from pinterest and post about it and write whatever i want under it um and kind of like have it there and stuff like that but it becomes not about you as much anymore once you get to a position that you can help um like i'm still all about myself but me helping other people actually helps me too um you know in a big way um that kind of like when i don't it's when i don't have enough to look at for myself at first i look at what kind of example i'm setting for other people that are like me um you know my struggles and talking about them the biggest things that i've had happen that makes me keep talking about this stuff and wanting to post about it is that one out of 800 something people that follow me saying i needed this today I really appreciate you being vulnerable from all walks of life. People I've never met, people I deployed with, people I went to high school with. Um, you know, like I just every so once in a while I'll get that message and just be like, hey, that's awesome. Thank you so much for saying this. This is really important. You know, this is what people aren't talking about, you know, whatever it is. And like I'm very open to that. Um, you know, I'm very open to being messaged um on Instagram. I don't find it weird at all. And people are always just like, I'm sorry if you find this weird or whatever, but you know, I know we haven't talked in a long time or you don't know me. I'm just like, we don't all really know each other down to the nitty gritty. Uh, it takes, it's a, you're, even in relationships, you're constantly learning things about each other. Um, mm -hmm, for sure. Well, that's so, awesome. Go follow Good Morning Feels if you do not for some hashtag Good Morning Feels. <laughs> Maria hates when I'm corny, so I had to throw that in there to just get her to okay. get her to have some feelings about it. All right, well, Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. It was so nice to get to talk to you. It has been like a solid year since I've had like a full-on conversation with you. So, um, well, this is like COVID. That's like everything. But um, I'm so happy that you're happy. Please give Michelle a super big hug for me. I will. She says hello. She's we're still in our morning get up, so she was just like, just tell them I said hello. Oh, um, <laughs> give her. <laughs> so, but thank you guys so much for having me. Um, it was awesome doing this. I was like weirdly nervous. I'm like, I haven't talked to them in so long. It's it's been so weird. Like just because it's like I've never done a podcast either before. So it was just like this whole experience, which is awesome. I would love to do it again. Um, oh, you're welcome anytime. I would just give me the day or two heads up, and I'm on it. Um, yeah, since we kind of got past the, this is who I am, this is what I've been through a little bit, we can definitely go into depth with a lot more stuff next time. I would love to. I, I have so many people who have us before on the community that we've been building through this, which has been like, I think what Marie and I are super the most excited about. Um, there, there are so many people that we can, we want you guys to be able to connect because we, everybody we bring on this show, for anybody who's not a listener beforehand, everybody we bring on this show regardless of what our initial conversations are about like because maria and i always talk about these things we end up yeah. talking about like mental health we end up talking about personal struggle we talk about personal development like these are just things that we talk about um because we think it's important uh so mm -hmm. like to be able to be a part of a community with people that are all so super different and like couldn't be any more different and bringing us all together those are conversations we want to be able to have and share with people so we would love to be able to have you join when we we get those started yeah Absolutely. I am open to it. I'm always free on Sundays, so I have nothing else to do. <laughs> I would love to do this with you guys. You, you work hard enough. 
12 hour shifts. So enjoy the rest of your Sunday and you we'll talk to you very soon. Yes. Thank you so Bye. much. Thanks, Bye. Guys. Thank you guys. Thanks, for Dan. We'll check you on the next. Oh, this is the final episode of 2020, Maria. Oh, yes. Happy. Oh, happy holidays, everyone. Oh, yeah. happy and holidays, also happy, happy New Year. All that new year. Dan, of yeah. course, thank you again. Thank you yeah. so much. Going into the new year strong. Hopefully 2021 yes. better. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> that. that sounds great. All right. Bye, guys. We'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Dan. Bye.